0: Welcome to another broadcast of Hope for the Heart. My name is William Rogers. I'll be bringing the message today. And the message today is on the resurrection. We're going to pause from the book of Revelation because this is uh, Easter weekend coming up, and I would like to do that. One of my favorite passages about the resurrection is John chapter 20. And so if you have a copy of God's Word and would like to follow along, I'll read the first ten verses. They go rather quickly. And uh, then I will uh, speak on these ten verses. The Word of God reads, beginning in John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark. And she saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. So she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter, therefore, went forth and the other disciple, and they were going to the tomb, and the two were running together. And the other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter and came to the tomb first. And stooping and looking in, he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter, therefore, also came following him and entered the tomb, and he beheld the linen wrappings lying there. And the face... Cloth which had been on his head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. So the other disciple who had first come to the tomb entered then also, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must again rise from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. I think I read that wrong. For as as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Okay, Uh, this is a very interesting text. Uh, Again, it's my favorite on the resurrection. Our Resurrection Sunday is is, is a great thing for us to be reminded of. It's it's uh, very important for us to be reminded uh, by reading the scriptures, talking about the resurrection, because you don't always get that. Yeah, there's a lot of Bible studies during the year, and I know for this last past year, I've been teaching on the resurrection. So it's a bit of refreshment for me. But the resurrection, there's so many people that have quotes out there about the resurrection. Uh, one, writes, one writer writes this, The stone was rolled away from the tomb, not to permit Christ to come out, but to enable the disciples to go in. And of course, we know that, but it's just a good thing to be reminded of. Another one writes, The resurrection gives my life meaning and direction. And the opportunity to start over no matter what the circumstances. Uh, Robert Flatt writes that. And so I I think these are good and and poignant for us to look at. I know that uh, the other day I read a a quote by Chuck Swindoll that sounded really good. Let me give you that one. He says, and I quote, "...the benefits of the resurrection are innumerable. To list a few, our illnesses don't seem nearly so final. Our fears fade and lose their grip." Our grief over those who have gone on is diminished. Our desires to press on in spite of the obstacles is rejuvenated. Our identity as Christians is strengthened as we stand in the lengthening shadows of saints down through the centuries who have always answered back in their, their uh, voice, He is risen indeed, Chuck Swindoll. I, I love that uh, And so we're, once again, this time of year, we are reminded of the resurrection. The resurrection of the dead is the chief truth of the Christian faith, says Robert Boyer, Bob (coughs) Boyer. Bob Moyer. excuse me. The point is not that the resurrection is the price paid for our sins. The point is that the resurrection proves the death of Jesus. I like that one too. The tomb of Christ is famous because of what it does not contain. Very good. Uh, The cross is the victory, the resurrection is the triumph, the resurrection is the public display of the victory, the triumph of the crucified one. Pastor Adrian Rogers, some of you may not remember him, but he was a tremendous pastor, expository preacher. He says, The resurrection is not merely important to the historic Christian faith. Without it, there would be no Christianity. It is the singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other world religions. In fact, John MacArthur writes this, if Christ was not raised, his death was in vain, your faith in him would be pointless and your sins would still be counted against you with no hope of spiritual life. And then I've got to include Billy Graham. I I just always like this by Billy Graham. The entire plan for the future has its key in the resurrection. And those are just little reminders for us. They're they're little quotes, but I I love them. Uh, This time of year... uh, It's such a good thing to draw our attention to the true meaning of what, even, I mean, the world gives it the the meaning of Easter, but it is the Resurrection Sunday. And I know nothing is about what, that I see, especially being raised in a hometown now living in, I mean, especially being raised in a Catholic hometown, and then now here in St. Louis, where it's uh, a little different as far as uh, what is being promoted here. But I want you to know, Lent is not from the Bible. Uh, there is no such thing in the Bible. It comes from a mystery religions of the cults of Babylon. And <coughs> I think the reason I bring that up is because I've been looking at the mother of all religions, Babylon uh, back from the Babel tower of Babel has been giving you information on this in the book of Revelation. Uh, but it comes from a mystery religion of the cults of Babylon and was connected with the supposed killing of of Baal by a wild boar. Uh, it's crazy reading to read all of this stuff. And for 40 days and 40 nights, uh, the, the followers of Baal mourned his death until supposedly he rose from the dead on the 40th day, and that is where Lent comes from. Uh, it has been superimposed onto Christianity at the time of Easter, and many... People truly look at Lent as the truth <coughs> about Easter, and it is not. I know you look at the, the whole Mardi Gras and the carnival. That's what Mardi Gras means. Is Actually, Mardi Gras means Fat Tuesday. And you look at the meaning of Mardi Gras. Uh, some of you may not really know what the history of Mardi Gras is. I, I happen to, because I was born and raised in Mobile, Alabama, and that is the home of Mardi Gras. I know most people think it's New Orleans, but it's not. It comes from Mobile, Alabama. But it's a celebration of carnival. It's Really, it's drunkenness, uh, just sexual misbehavior, getting ready for repentance on on the Ash Wednesday in view of Easter. That's what they do. In fact, Mardi Gras comes from two French words. Uh, It just really means Fat Tuesday. It is the last day before Lent. And you better go get fat on sin now because you're going to have to give it up for 40 days. That's what all that's about. It's silly, uh, uh, ridiculous, anti-scriptural, anti-Christian. Uh, but but we, we bring these things up not, not to just condemn that and, and to be, just put a negative light on it, but just so that you can understand There is a real meaning out there uh, related to the resurrection that needs to be at at, at a time when the world is supposedly looking at this as Easter. They at least acknowledge Easter. Uh, But they need to be known, they need to be told what the actual truth is about the resurrection. So, uh, the world would rather confuse the issue uh, by throwing in situations like eggs and rabbits and candies and rites of spring, new clothes, Hopes and the mix will (coughs) solve their destiny. But for most people, Easter is simply an event, a break in the, the sinning. But for the Christian, every day is a resurrection day, but especially Sunday. That's why we worship on Sunday. It is resurrection Sunday. And that's why we are not worshiping on Saturdays. We worship on Sunday, the first day of the week. And so I want to uh, jump right into this text. I know I could go on that that rabbit trail probably for a long time, but we need to understand the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is not just a feature of Christianity. It's really the main event, and that's what I hope to communicate today. This is not going to be anything profound or deep. It's just going to be a simple reminder for us looking at some really good scriptures, Again, not deep theological scriptures, but just a simple look at the scriptures found in John chapter 20 concerning the resurrection. That very first resurrection morning. Resurrection is the point of redemption. The whole purpose of God in creating and redeeming his people is to raise them to eternal glory so that they can worship him forever. That's the point. Of his redemption, resurrection to the eternal glory is not only glorified spirits but glorified bodies, and we see that by looking at the at the resurrection. Our, re- our resurrection is secured by the power of God, the power of Christ uh, demonstrated in His resurrection, and we we know this, and we also know that because He lives, we will live also. So we look at this: the resurrection then is the greatest event in history, in redemptive history, or in history history period. It is the most significant expression, I think, of the power of God on the behalf of believers. In fact, Romans chapter 1 says Christ was declared to be the Son of God through the resurrection. Uh, We are saved to be raised from the dead and into heaven. We will go forever in that resurrected form. The purpose of salvation, again, is a resurrected people because Christ conquered death because he conquered sin, we will be raised. You see, that's necessary for salvation. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 uh, says, It is the truth of the resurrection which you heard, which you have received, which you have believed, <coughs> in which you stand. It is the very essence of the gospel. Uh, you, you can read that in 1 Corinthians 15. We talk about the resurrection. We sing about the resurrection. We celebrate it. Several interesting things to note about the resurrection. And these are just little note things I can give you because I think they're they're interesting. We talk about it, we sing about it, but you know this, no one actually saw the resurrection. No one saw it. There was no witness to the exact moment Christ's life came back into his body that was dead, lying there in that tomb. It's not an event you need to see, though. All you need to see is the person who was dead, and there are many witnesses to that fact, we are, we are witnesses because Christ lives in us. No one saw the resurrection. No one. No Bible writer tries to explain the resurrection. I mean, the, the actual makeup or pathology of it because there is no rational explanation. It's not really a problem that the Bible doesn't explain the resurrection because it's a creative event. It's a supernatural miracle like all other miracles that our Lord did. You had the entire creation account of the universe in one chapter Think about that. That's chapter 1 of Genesis. The very first chapter of Genesis, you go from absolutely nothing to the entire universe coming into existence in six days. I mean, you, Can you explain that? No, you can't. So the fact is stated and the results are obvious, but there is no explanation for it given in scriptures as to how it happened. It's a creative miracle, just like the resurrection. Uh You can't study creation from a rational, observable, pragmatic uh, perspective. You can only accept the miraculous declaration that God created the heavens and the earth. We don't know how any real miracles happen. In fact, I remember uh, Dr. Jerry Vines in the uh, church I was in 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 Mobile, Alabama, uh, saying this as he was preaching one Sunday on, on miracles. He said, what is a miracle? Well, a miracle is simply God doing with his creation whatever he chooses to do. And I think that's a pretty good definition. We can't explain it. It's just God working through his creation to do and accomplish whatever his will is to accomplish through that. We don't know anything about how God created the earth. But we do know it's there and we do know he did it by just speaking it into existence. He did it in six days. He is God. We don't question that. God is sovereign. God is all-powerful. And so when we look at the resurrection, we need to be reminded of that. We don't really know how any of the miracles occurred. Uh, There's no explanation for the resurrection. No one was there. We don't know how it happened. doesn't matter how it happened. It happened the way all miracles happen. It happened because God willed it to happen. By his supernatural power, it happened. How it happened doesn't matter. That it happened does matter and we really don't need to know <coughs> much more than that I can't believe I've still got my cough so forgive me if it's irritating to you that I have it so I'm, I'm sorry. how do we know it happened? Well there are several lines of evidence and I just want to look at some of this today there's the empty tomb we're going to that's pretty good indication. Uh, there's the angel's testimony direct and there were eyewitnesses and we're not going to look at all that but all that's in this chapter. And so we realize that the Old Testament promised that the Messiah would would rise It's promised in Psalm 16. Uh, And we we can look at those sometimes and and, and realize that, wow, these are amazing things. And then out of the mouth of Jesus himself, he said, As Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the center of the earth. A day and a night, really referring to any part of a day. And I don't want to get into that whole controversy. But the, uh, the apostles then preached the resurrection. You can go through Acts, the very first sermon of Peter. Yeah, he preached the resurrection in the book of Acts, apostolic preaching. The subject was the death and resurrection of Christ to show that the Messiah had to suffer and then rise and establish his kingdom. He uh, then, you know, the book of Acts then he shows how the church began at the very beginning to meet on the first day of the week, on Sunday, to commemorate, actually, the resurrection, because that's the resurrection. So, as our text has already been read, it's a fascinating scene simply recorded for us. The writer of John wants us to understand, in John chapter 20, that Jesus rose from the dead, very simply. Uh, And the proof of it, first of all, is the empty tomb. That is number one. If you're going to write an outline, it's very simple. <clears throat> the empty tomb is number one. Let's look closer at it. Just so You can see now on the first day of the week, that meaning Sunday, Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb while it was still dark, saw the stone already taken away from the tomb. Now, it's very interesting. Jesus said he would rise on the third day. He had been buried on Friday. He was in the grave a few hours on Friday. And of course, that, that, that's a whole different way. But, but we, we truly believe he was in the grave uh, three days and three nights, because his authority rests on it. Mark says it was very early. Here, John says it was uh, uh, came early to the tomb while it was still dark. All of them have just a different way of putting it there. But if we harmonize all of them together, we see that actually it was before the sun came up. That's all it's actually trying to say. I've seen almost a whole commentary written on this phrase came early while it was still dark because they said it conflicts with the other, but it does not. It's very clear, and when it's daybreak, as Mark says, the sun has risen. As Luke says, it's early dawn. Matthew says it began to dawn, and John says it was still uh, a little dark. So the sun may have risen over the eastern desert, but, you know, it was still the very break of dawn, as someone would put it. So, there's no uh, problem with this text as far as that part goes. Uh, But the stone was already removed. It was still dark. Mary Magdalene comes and tells us uh, to be true to the other writers that she was the first one there. She was the first one there. Dawn happens very rapidly. When she came, being the first one there, it was still dark side of dawn. Now, she didn't start out alone, according to Matthew 27. There were others with her. Uh, But this is is John writing this one to, to give us his perspective. And he tells us that Mary Magdalene came early to the tomb, just emphasizing her. Now, there were even other women who were coming along as well. They were women at the foot of the cross. <clears throat> as Luke chapter 23 brings out, the women who had come with the Lord out of Galilee saw the tomb and where the body was laid. So they were at the cross, they were at the burial, and of course they didn't go anywhere or travel anywhere on the Sabbath The Sabbath is over, they're awakening in the morning, and so they want to go straight to the tomb. So that's the scene as we come to verse one. Mary Magdalene is the first one, she comes to the tomb while it's still dark, and it's light enough that she saw the stone has already been moved, you know, there were no streetlights out there, and so she could see probably a full moon that night, probably saw it very clearly that the tomb uh, had been taken away. She may have looked through the... uh, uh, just through the, the glow there and saw that. But her reaction to this, uh, the, the first line of evidence, the empty tomb, the stone wasn't rolled away, as we said earlier, to let Jesus out. She never thought that. It, it, it wasn't true. It was rolled away to let people look in, like Mary Magdalene, who's coming to the tomb. It's been moved so she can peer into the tomb. A resurrected Christ doesn't need the stone removed. He just doesn't. So she arrives, sees the stone taken away from the tomb, and she fears. And that's an interesting response. And this goes straight against the critics who said they she might have been a plot to steal the body. And there were others that were in plots to steal the body. But she arrives, and the stone taken away, she fears the worst. Verse 2, she ran probably spun around. She's assuming that Jesus is still dead, but taken. She doesn't conclude, man, the rapture's happened. I bet it did. No, she's surprised that someone stole the body. That tells you her mindset wasn't going to the tomb to check, to see if it was empty, to see if the resurrection has happened. She runs to Simon Peter, the other disciple, who is is John. He doesn't talk about himself, uh, doesn't name himself, but says the one whom Jesus loved, and we all know who that is, uh they were taken, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've laid him. Now that's an interesting comment to make. Just running to the tomb and seeing it empty. <coughs> that proves that's one that was the what they feared. That's what they thought could happen, because this is the very first thing out of her mouth. Uh, clear evidence that they hadn't planned to steal the body. They were not going there early to steal it. They were just going there early. They didn't expect a resurrection. She's not part of a plot uh, to fake a resurrection. They would never do that and then go out and preach and die for the cause. Peter and John also run. I mean, they run to it. I love the way this this puts it. Is, uh, Peter and John run also. Peter, the other disciple, went forth and were coming to the tomb. The two were running together. Mary Magdalene gets to the tomb just to fill in the blank. Uh, probably just spins around, sees him, peeks and realizes the body's not there, so she runs to back to meet them. She's running to Peter and John, and they're running toward the tomb. In the meantime, the other women arrive, and when the other women arrive, the angel appears to them, and that's where we pick up different versions of different stories. She missed the angel. She has the wonderful experience later, but she's on her way to Peter and John, who then turn, and they begin to run as well. So, we can see that the story is is happening here, but if you put all four of these stories of the gospel together, you realize that this is happening fast, and it's also, there's other things going on. When she leaves the tomb, this little group, there's no one at the tomb, but another group comes, and they experience the angels. Now, None of these people know what's happened on Saturday. They do not know that the Sanhedrin got a Roman guard to guard the tomb. Uh, They don't understand all that. They don't know that in the deep dark of of Sunday night, uh, Saturday night, God uh, sent an earthquake. They may not realize all of the other things. They're coming to the tomb (coughs) simply to look and to check on the body. They can't figure out why uh, this has happened. But the the soldiers are gone. There's no one there at the tomb. We know they're gone because Mary Magdalene never refers to them when she gets there. The other women never refer to them when they get there. So obviously, the soldiers, man, they tucked their tail and ran, especially during the earthquake, and then they saw the stone moved. So... You go, you look at this and you think, well, gosh, what is really going on at the tomb? Mary Magdalene has assumed that maybe somebody stole the body. She has no thought of the resurrection. She has no idea they run. John wants us to know <clears throat> through his personal testimony here. He just wants everybody to realize he can run faster than Peter. And I guess that's pretty important. Uh, so he lists it. Uh, since he is the author of the gospel, he puts it twice. The other disciple ran ahead faster than Peter. Uh, I always think that's a little funny. He was also a little bit more shy than Peter, and he's stooping and looking in, saw the linen wrappings. He doesn't go in. Peter comes, and you know Peter, he's going to just boldly go right into the the tomb. Both had entered the tomb, saw the linen wrappings. uh, And you know, I don't know exactly what their mind was on. I don't know exactly what they were thinking as they're looking at these wrappings because the next verse says, uh, as of yet they did not understand the scripture because when you look at this, and I want you to see this, when they finally get there and they see the wrappings, the other disciple whom had come first to the tomb, then went in, he saw them, and it says in verse 8, he believed. So, John believes. John believes. Uh but then it says in verse nine, for as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. Now, he may be like the man who said, Lord, I believe, just help my unbelief. The point is, I want you to notice, is that they had no explanation of why that tomb was empty. They had no idea. They could explain nothing with the linen wrappings. Uh, They had no explanation that Jesus would rise. They had no understanding of that. The women didn't. The leaders and the apostles didn't. And so as you think about those elements that we've just looked at, let me just identify. Here's the evidence of an empty tomb. The absence of guards. The absent guards. The stone moved. The body gone. The grave closed. (coughs) Neatly lying in place. Now, if you have to go back to the burial, remember that they they did not embalm. They wrapped the bodies like a mummy, and in the case of Jesus, they had about 100-pound weights of spices. So they would wrap a little and then dump spices and wrap, and and there was a whole procedure for this. Now, if somebody stole the body, and believe me, that is a very real theory out there that many people believe. <clears throat> if they stole the body, you would have to think that they wouldn't unwrap it uh, because of the obvious uh, decomposition that would be there. Uh, and, and, of course, the, the odor that would be there. Nobody would do that. But If they're going to steal the body, they would leave it wrapped, uh, don't you think? And I think maybe John and Peter maybe realizing that. I think they're bewildered. I think when they look in there and the tomb is empty and the grave clothes are there, it's like why, It's like if you, you can flesh this out a little bit and think, they might be saying, well, why did they take the grave clothes off? Why do they want his just bare decomposing body? What are they going to do with that? Uh, but I want you to understand, there is no grave robbery. If the disciples did this, they wouldn't unwrap the body, and who else would do it? Uh, and and use and really unwrap the body. The disciples wouldn't do it because they didn't even expect the resurrection. The body was there on Friday. Everybody knew that. Everybody knew the body was there. Everybody uh, knew he was dead. The Roman executioners knew he was dead. Everyone knew he was dead. From the breaking of the legs to piercing his side, uh, they all knew he was dead. Clearly, there's no <clears throat> thought or... or uh, Doubt in anyone's mind that Christ is dead. Everybody knew he was placed in that grave as a dead man. The tomb was covered by a rolling large stone over the entrance, sealed with a Roman seal, and guarded with Roman guards. No one could come and steal that body. I guess if you looked at it, you could say, well, maybe the Roman soldiers did it. And and that's actually uh, one of the theories. But they did not do this. Uh, almost without exception, uh, these these preachers, these uh, apostles, all went out and preached this. I mean, you look further into the, the the church age and the preaching that went on in Acts and all that follows. Man, they they died and, and they were faking a resurrection. No, that's not what happened. I think the Jewish leaders were more afraid Jesus would rise than the disciples were. Uh, they were afraid of him. They knew. He raised Lazarus from the dead. They weren't dealing with the Messianic disaster that the Jews believe were dealing with. Uh, and, and so the, the apostles expected the Messiah to reign. The Messiah died. And it seemed to them to be the absolute end. They were they were expecting they weren't expecting a death with the Messiah. And so you, you go and you look at like Matthew and you see the soldiers there. In fact, if we had time, we'd, we'd kind of break it back and go back to that. But but I really don't want to cover that. Uh, but I just want you to notice that uh, in Mark 16, for example, the last chapter, uh, is a glimpse of what we see a little bit later in the text in John. And this look at this woman, Mary Magdalene, the mother of James uh, and, and Siloam, and brought spices coming to anoint him. That's early. Again, Mark says it's very early. Uh, and, you know, you put it, why were they going there? They were expecting the tomb to be rolled away, I think is, is, is what Marcus is, is emphasizing. Uh, she sees that the tomb is still dark. Uh, Mary Magdalene in John chapter 20, verse 1, saw that the stone already taken away from the tomb. So I think they were expecting it to be rolled away so they could finish the embalming process. But entering the tomb saw a young man sitting at the right wearing a white robe. Luke says there were two. There were two. John says there were two. And there were angels. Two angels. <clears throat> First they near the women. First they are near the women. And then they're at, at the head, one at the foot, where the body was lying. So you have the angels that are there. Uh, now remember, now the women have no idea what's happened. They've run into the angels in this tomb. They're amazed. That's this Luke's, I mean Mark's account. Uh, awestruck, they're shocked, and that's why I'm, I'm entitled in this shock at the tomb. Uh, they're terrified. Luke says they bowed their faces to the ground. I think probably uh, because of the glow, or possibly glow of the angels. But the angels said, "Don't be amazed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who has been crucified. Uh, he has risen. Uh, that is the explanation. That's the truth. He's not here. He's been raised. He's not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go and tell the disciples." And Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. He will see you will see him there just as he has told you. They went out and fled. There's a lot of running going on in this first morning. Uh, but they went out and fled from the tomb, trembling in astonishment. A fear may have gripped them, uh, amazement, confusion. I can't imagine the hodgepodge of emotions they're having. But they are very confused. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. As verse. 10 points out of John chapter 20. Now, what do you think they went home for? Uh, it's it very interesting. What did they go home for? Well, there, it's over. I think they looked at uh, Christianity, uh, maybe not as defined as Christianity, but they looked at this whole following as done. We thought he was the Messiah, but he died. There is a movement, but remember now, they're not containers of the Holy Spirit yet. The Holy Spirit hasn't filled them with power yet. That's still yet to happen. And so we're, we're looking at these men who are, at this point, believing that the body has been stolen. So the first line of testimony for the resurrection of Christ is the empty tomb. The second is the declaration from the angels. A third is the eyewitnesses. And, of course, we don't have time to cover those. But the first line is the empty tomb. Now, here are two disciples of Jesus. Not the 11, but two others' followers. They are numbers of faithful followers, so they're walking on the road to Emmaus. We see that in Luke chapter 24. But there are many, many witnesses to this. And so my thing for us today, as we look at this, is to realize that the empty tomb is evidence of a resurrection. There was no stolen body. The tomb was empty. And though they are confused, in fact, if you had time, it would be good to read... Uh, look at what verse eleven just says, real quick. Mary standing in the tomb, crying, and she said to the, uh, they said the angels. She sees two angels in white sitting there. This is the testimony of the angels. Uh, were sitting there at feet, and one of the body and lying there. And when they saw the woman, they said, "Why are you weeping?" She said to them, "Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him." That's, she's just speaking her heart. She really thinks the body's been stolen or moved. When she said this, she turned around and behold Jesus standing there. They did not know, or she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She did not know him. She didn't recognize him. Perhaps her eyes were watery from the tears or the, the, the glorified body. The expectation. The last time she saw Jesus, he didn't look like this. He was uh, Isaiah says unrecognizable. It was a man. He was beaten so bad, blood all over his head, the crown of thorns. So she recognized him or supposed him to be the gardener. She said to him, "Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away." Jesus just simply said to her, "Mary." in only the way he could say it, that she knew there was no question in her mind at that point, this is the Lord. Look at what she says. She turned when he said that, and said to him, in Hebrew, "Rabboni," which means teacher, Jesus said to her, stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, But go to my brethren and say to them, I ascend to my Father and to your Father, my God and your God. Now, it says she leaves. Came announcing to the disciples what she has seen. So now she believes. Wow, she believes Jesus is alive. After all they've been through for the last three days, to see him standing there, looking in his glorified body, however that looks, and speaking to her. Very calm. Very direct. Very commanding. Very authoritative. And she, what is her mind thinking? That when she walks out of that tomb, what would that be like? That's what I want you to think about on this Easter Sunday. This Resurrection Sunday. What does the resurrection actually do for me? What if there were no resurrection? What if I didn't even know about the resurrection? But here's the thing. You do know about it. And the resurrection proves Christianity to be true. It also proves that Christ was dead and raised from the dead. He was resurrected. He is living today. Amazing, amazing truth. So folks, as we go through this Easter Sunday, I hope and pray that you'll have a great resurrection day. Remember, read these scriptures. I I challenge you to read John chapter 20, all of it. And you'll see not only the testimony of the empty tomb, you'll see not only the testimony of the angel speaking to Mary, but then you will see the testimony of the disciples themselves, and particularly Thomas, as they are in a room and Jesus greets them. Let me tell you something. It's a truth that ought to grip our heart. It's a truth that ought to arrest our attention. Thank you for joining me today. This is William Rogers looking to see you next time. Thank you.